Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. <clears throat> we read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link atop for the original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same menu, there is a <clears throat> same drop-down menu. There is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.20 to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 26, The Transition, with uh, Section 7, The Appointed Friend, and say the first two-thirds or so of a review of principles. At the top of the hour, we pause for a remembrance of our lesson for the day, Lesson 280. <clears throat> what limits can I lay upon God's Son, which will be led by a dear friend? Okay. And Laurie, do you have an opening you would like to offer this morning? Boy, I sure do, Lemoyne. Um, another gift. Uh, this one from Brother David Steindlerast. And it's a prayer. To you, the one from whom all different paths, all of us have come to whom on different paths all of us are going, make strong in our hearts what unites us. Build bridges across all that divides us. United, make us rejoice in our diversity, at one in our witness to your peace, a rainbow of your glory. Amen. What limits can I lay on God's Son? Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. Yeah, thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Laurie. <clears throat> yeah, thank you very much. Okay. Um, I'll just review the, the list of who's here and whether reading or listening. Um, with us in reading, we have Lori, Yvonne, Fran, Jessica, Robin Marie, Harrison, Donna, Karen, Lana, and Micah. With us in listening, we have Ida, Judy, Sheila, and Ross. Is there anyone else who's joined us who would 
like to just say good morning or join either one of the reading or and join the reading? Patricia here, listening. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning. Okay, well, I will get us started here then with the appointed friend. And uh, <laughs> so this is Chapter 26, The Transition, Section 7, The Appointed Friend. Anything in this world Anything in this world that you believe is good and valuable and worth striving for can hurt you and will do so. Not because it has the power to hurt, but just because you have denied it is but an illusion and made it real. And it is real to you. It is not nothing, and through its perceived reality has entered all the world as thick illusion. All belief in sin, in power of attack, in hurt and harm, in sacrifice and death has come to you. For no one can make one illusion real and still escape the rest. For who can choose to keep the ones which he prefers and find the safety that truth alone can give? Who can believe illusions are the same and still maintain that even one is best. Laurie? Chapter 26, The Transition, Section 7, The Appointed Friend. Anything in this world that you believe is good and valuable and worth striving for can hurt you and will do so, not because it has the power to hurt, but just because you have denied it is but an illusion and made it real and it is real to you it is not nothing and though I'm going to say that again it is not nothing and through its perceived reality has entered all the world of sick illusions all belief in sin in power of attack in hurt and harm in sacrifice and death has come to you for no one can make one illusion real and still escape the rest. For who can choose to keep the ones he prefers and find safety that the truth alone can give? Who can believe illusions are the same and still maintain that even one is best? 45. Lead not your little lives in solitude with one illusion as your only friend. This is no friendship worthy of God's Son, nor one with which he could remain content. Yet God has given him a better capital friend, in whom all power in earth and heaven rests. The one illusion that you think is friend obscures his grace and majesty from you and keeps his friendship and forgiveness from your welcoming embrace. Without him, you are friendless. Seek not another friend to take his place. There is no other friend. 
what God appointed has no substitute. For what illusion can replace the truth? Thank you, Lori. And Yvonne? Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lori. Lead not your little lives in solitude with one illusion as your only friend. This is no friendship worthy of God's Son, nor one with which he would remain content. Yet God has given him a better friend in whom all power in earth and heaven rests. The one illusion that you think is friend obscures his grace and, and, and obscures his grace and majesty from you and keeps his friendship and forgiveness from your welcoming embrace. Without him, you are friendless. Seek not another friend to take his place. There is no other friend. What God appointed has no substitute. For what illusion can replace the truth? Who dwells with shadows is alone indeed, and loneliness is not the will of God. Would you allow one shadow to usurp the throne that God appointed for your friend if you but realize its emptiness has left yours empty and unoccupied? Make no illusion, friend, for if you do, it can but take the place of him whom God has called your friend. It is he who is your only friend in truth. He brings you gifts that are not of this world, and only he to whom they have been given can make sure that you receive them. He will place them on your throne when you make room for him on his Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And Fran, would you read 46 and then um, pause? So I'd like to, to set this off a little bit from the next section. Okay. 46. Who dwells with shadows is alone indeed, and loneliness is not the will of God. Would you allow one shadow to usurp the throne that God appointed for your friend if you but realize its emptiness has left yours empty and unoccupied? Make no illusion, friend. For if you do, it can but take the place of him whom God has called your friend. And it is he who is your only friend in truth. He brings you gifts that are not of this world, and only he to whom they have been given can make sure that you receive them. He will place them on your throne when you make room for him on his. Thank you, friend. Um, I, I, I love this little section. This is like this thing on the, you may have seen some internet memes where it's like, say that you're from the South without saying you're from the South or you know, say your parents were strict without saying your parents were strict. And here it's like he lays out the difference between the Holy Spirit and the ego without directly really mentioning either. 
accept the role that they have for us. And um, it's a, it's, I like the way it ends with this invitation to uh, uh, not share one throne, but to have the two thrones, which are how the Holy Spirit will bring us into co-creation with all of creation. Anyway, I just wanted to set this off a little bit from the next section, which uh, um, is a lovely summary of the course. So, Fran, would you start uh, Section 8 and read the first paragraph? Sure. Section 8, Review of Principles. 47. This is A Course in Miracles. And as such, the laws of healing must be understood before the purpose of the Course can be accomplished. Let us review the principles that we have covered and arrange them in a way that summarizes all that must occur for healing to be possible. For when it once is possible, it must occur. All sickness comes from separation. When the separation is denied, it goes. For it is gone as soon as the idea which brought it has been healed and has been replaced by sanity. Sickness and sin are seen as consequence and cause in a relationship kept hidden from awareness that it may be carefully preserved from reason's light. Thank you, Brad. And Jessica? Thanks, Lemoyne. <clears throat> this is a course in miracles. And as such, the laws of healing must be understood before the purpose of the course can be accomplished. Let us review the principles that we have covered and arrange them in a way that summarizes all that must occur for healing to be possible. For when it once is possible, it must occur. All sickness comes from separation. When the separation is denied, it goes. For it is gone as soon as the idea which brought it has been healed and been replaced by sanity. Sickness and sin are seen as consequence and cause in a relationship kept hidden from awareness that it may be carefully preserved from reason's light. 48. Guilt asks for punishment, and its request is granted, not in truth, but in the world of shadows and illusions built on sin. The Son of God perceives that he, what he would see because perception is a wish fulfilled. Perception changes made to take the place of changeless knowledge. Yet is truth unchanged? It cannot be perceived, but only known. What is perceived takes many forms, but none has meaning. Brought to truth, its senselessness is quite apparent. Kept apart from truth, 
It seems to have a meaning and be real. Thank you, Jessica. And Robin Marie? Forty-eight. Guilt asks for punishment, and its request is granted, not in truth, but in the world of shadows and illusions built on sin. The Son of God perceives what he would see, because perception is fulfilled. Perception changes, made to take the place of changeless knowledge. Yet is truth unchanged. It cannot be perceived. What is perceived takes many perceived takes many forms, but none has meaning. Brought to truth, its hopelessness is quite apparent. Kept apart from truth, it seems to have a meaning and be real. Forty nine. Perception's laws are opposite to truth. And what is true of knowledge is not true of anything that is from it. Yet God has yet has God given answer to the world of sickness, which applies to all its forms. God's answer is eternal, though it operates in time where it is needed. Yet because it is of God, the laws of time do not affect its workings. It is in this world, but not a part of it, for it is real and dwells where all reality must be. Ideas leave not their source, and their effects could seem to be apart from them. Ideas are of the mind. What is projected out and seems to be external to the mind is not outside at all, but an effect of what is in and has not left its source. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Harrison. Forty-nine. Perception's laws are opposite to truth. And what is true of knowledge is not true of anything that is apart from it. Yet has God given answer to the world of sickness, which applies to all its forms. God's answer is eternal, though it operates in time where it is needed. Yet because it is of God, the laws of time do not affect its workings. It is in this world, but not part of it. For it is real and dwells where all reality must be. Ideas leave not their source, and their effect but seem to be apart from them. Ideas are of the mind, but is projected out and seems to be external to the mind is not outside at all, 
but in effect what is in and has not left its source. God's answer lies where the belief in sin must be, for only there can its effects be utterly undone and without cause. Perception laws must be reversed because they are reversals of the laws of truth. The laws of truth forever will be true and cannot be reversed, yet can be seen as upside down. And this must be corrected where the illusion of reversal lies. Thank you, Harrison. And Donna. 50. God's answer lies where the belief in sin must be. For only there can its effects be utterly undone and without cause. Perceptions laws must be reversed because they are reversals of the laws of truth. The laws of truth, however, will be true and cannot be reversed. Yet, can be seen as upside down, and this must be corrected where the illusion of reversal lies. <clears throat> 51. It is impossible that one illusion be less amenable to truth than are the rest, but it is possible that some are given greater value and less willingly offered to truth for healing and for help. No illusion has any truth in it, yet it appears some are more true than others, although this clearly makes no sense at all. All that a hierarchy of illusions can show is preference, not reality. What relevance has preference to truth. Illusions are illusions and are false. Your preference gives them no reality. Not one is true in any way, and all must be yielded with equal ease <clears throat> to what God gives, to what God gave as answers to them all. God's will is one. And any wish that seems to go against his will has no foundation in truth. Thank you, Donna. And Karen. 51. It is impossible that one illusion be less amenable to truth than are the rest. But it is possible that some are given greater value and less willingly offer to truth for healing and for help. No illusion has any truth in it, yet it appears some are more true than others. Although this clearly makes no sense at all, 
All that a hierarchy of illusions can show is preference, not reality. What relevance has preference to the truth? Illusions are illusions and are false. Your preference gives them no reality. Not one is true in any way, and all must yield with equal ease to what God gave as answer to them all. God's will is one, and any wish that seems to go against his will has no foundation in the truth. 52. Sin is not error, for it goes beyond correction to impossibility. Yet the belief that it is real has made some errors seem forever past the hope of healing and the lasting grounds for hell. If this were so, would heaven be opposed by its own opposite as real as it? Then would God's will be split in two and all creation be subjected to the laws of two opposing powers until God becomes impatient, splits the world apart, and relegates attack upon himself. Thus has he lost his mind, proclaiming sin has taken his reality from him and brought his love at last to vengeance heals. For such an insane picture, an insane defense can be expected, but cannot establish that the picture must be true. Thank you, Karen. And Lana. Okay. 52. Sin is not error, error, for it goes beyond correction to impossibility. Yet the belief that it is real has made some errors seem forever past the hope of healing and the lasting grounds for hell. If this were so, would heaven be opposed by its own opposite as real as it? Then would God's will be split in two and all creation be subjected to the laws of two opposing powers until God, became, until God becomes impatient, splits the world apart, and relegates the text. Someone must be on mute. Lana, I, I don't okay. know. I, she's still showing on the board, but it's, uh, yeah, okay. <coughs> don't hear you, Lana. Lana. I think her call, her call is probably dropping. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, are you back, Lana? Yes, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened there. Okay, um, let me, okay. Thus, I'll start here on the sentence. I'm sorry. Thus has he lost his mind. Proclaiming sin has taken his reality from him. 
and brought his love at last to vengeance heal. For such an insane picture, an insane defense can be expected, but not established that the picture must be true, but cannot establish that the picture must be true. 53. Nothing gives meaning where no meaning is, and truth needs no defense to make it true. Illusions have no witnesses and no effects. Who looks on them is but deceived. Forgiveness is the only function here and serves to bring the joy this world denies to every aspect of God's Son, where sin was brought to rule. Perhaps you do not see the role forgiveness plays in ending death and all beliefs that that rise from myths of guilt. Maybe I did that backwards. Thank you, Lena and Micah. Okay, Uh, 53. Nothing gives meaning where no meaning is, and truth needs no defense to make it true. Illusions have no witnesses and no effect. Who looks on them is but deceived. Forgiveness is the only function here and serves to bring the joy this world denies to every aspect of God's Son where sin was thought to rule. Perhaps you do not see the role forgiveness plays in ending death and all beliefs that rise from mists of guilt. 54. Sins are beliefs which you impose between your brother and yourself. They limit you to time and place and give a little space to you, another little space, to him. This separating off is symbolized in your perception by a body which is clearly separate from the thing apart. Yet what this symbol represents is but your wish to be apart and Forgiveness takes away what stands between your brother and yourself. It is the wish that you be joined with him and not apart. You call it wish. Oh, sorry. We call it wish because it still conceives of other choices and has not yet reached beyond the world of choice entirely. Thank you, Micah. And... Is there a new reader who would like to read uh, 54 and 55? This is Sandra. I can. Thank you, Sandra. Sure. 54. Sins are beliefs which you impose between your brother and yourself. They limit you to time and place and give a little space to you another little space to him. This separating off is symbolized in your perception by a body which is clearly separate and a thing apart. Yet what 
this symbol represents is but your wish to be apart and separate. Forgiveness takes away what stands between your brother and yourself. It is the wish that you be joined with him and not apart. We call it wish because it still conceives of other choices and has not yet reached beyond the world of choice entirely. 55. Yet, is this wish in line with heaven's state and not in opposition to God's will? Although it falls far short of giving you your full inheritance, it does remove the obstacles which you have placed between the heaven where you are and recognition of where and what you are. Facts are unchanged, yet facts can be denied and thus unknown, though they were known before they were denied. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader who would like to read 55 and 56? Patricia here. Okay. Please go ahead. 55. Yet, is this wish in line with heaven's state? and not in opposition to God's will. Although it falls far short of giving you your full inheritance, it does remove the obstacles which you have placed between the heaven where you are and recognition of where and what you are. Facts are unchanged, yet facts can be denied and thus unknown. Though they were known before, before they were Denied. 56. Salvation. Perfect and complete. Asks but a little wish that what is true be true. A little willingness to overlook what is not there. A little sigh that speaks for heaven as a preference, a preference to this world which death and desolation seem to rule. In joyous answer, will creation rise within you to replace 
to replace the world you see with heaven, holy, perfect, and complete? What is forgiveness but a willingness that truth be truth? What can remain? What can remain unhealed and broken from a unity which holds all things within itself? There is no sin. And every miracle is possible the instant that the Son of God perceives his wishes and the will of God are one. And thank you, Patricia. And do we have a new reader for 56 and 57? Thank you, Lemoyne. I can do it. Salvation, perfect and complete, asks but a little wish that what is true be true, a little willingness to overlook what is not, a little sigh that speaks for heaven as a preference to this world that death and desolation seem to rule. In joyous answer will creation rise within you to replace the world you see with heaven, holy, perfect, and complete. What is forgiveness but a willingness that truth be true? What can remain unhealed and broken from a unity which holds all things within itself? There is no sin, and every miracle is possible the instant that the Son of God perceives his wishes and the will of God are one. What is the will of God? He wills his Son have everything, and this he guaranteed when he created him as everything. It, <coughs> excuse me. it is impossible that anything be lost if what you have is what you are. This is the miracle by which creation became your function, sharing it with God. It is not understood apart from him and therefore has no meaning in this world. Here does the Son of God ask not too much, but far too little. He would sacrifice his own identity with everything to find a little treasure of his own. And this he cannot do without a sense of isolation, loss, and loneliness. And this is the treasure he has sought to find. And he could only be afraid of it. Is fear a treasure? Can uncertainty be what you want? Or is it a mistake about your will and what you really are? Thanks again. Thank you, Judy. And... uh is there 
another new reader for 57 and 58. Another new reader. All right, great. Um, yeah, if you give me a give me a minute to find it, okay? Um, it's um, it's section eight of chapter twenty-six. Yes, Ida. Okay. Which In the number? It should be fifty-eight and fifty-nine. Okay, 58. Um, actually, no. Um, <laughs> I believe that uh, Judy had 56 and 57, and and uh, because of the difference of addition, she went further. Would you start with 57? What is the will of God? And then do just 57, 58? Yes, please. Thank you. Okay. Here we go. What is the will of God? He wills his son have everything. And this he guaranteed when he created him as everything. It is impossible that anything be lost if what you have is what you are. This is the miracle by which creation became your function, sharing it with God. It is not understood apart from him and therefore has no meaning in this world. 58. How does the Son of God ask, here does the Son of God ask not too much, but far too little? He would sacrifice his own identity with everything to find a little treasure of his own. And this he cannot do without a sense of isolation, loss, and loneliness. This is the treasure he has sought to find, and he could only be afraid of it. Is fear a treasure? Can uncertainty be what you want? Or is it a mistake about your will and what you really are? Let us consider what the error is so it can be corrected, not protected. Thank you. And thank you, Ida. And uh, let's see. I'm just going to go straight ahead. I ask uh, Lori, would you read? 58 and 59? I would. 58. Here does the Son of God ask not too much, but far too little. He would sacrifice his own identity with everything to find a little treasure of his own. This he cannot do without a sense of isolation, loss, and loneliness. This is the treasure he sought to find, and he could only be afraid of it. Is fear a treasure? Can uncertainty be what you want? Or is this or is it a mistake about your will and what you really are? Let us consider what the error is so it can be corrected, not protected. fifty nine. Sin is belief that attack can be projected outside the mind where the belief arose. Here is the firm conviction that ideas can leave their source. Just a minute. Here is the firm conviction that ideas can leave their leave their source made real. Here, yeah, I'm going to get this right eventually. 
Here is the firm conviction that ideas can leave their source. I think you get the point because it's not going to come out right for me. <laughs> leave their source, be made real and meaningful. And from this error does the world of sin and sacrifice arise. This world is an attempt to prove you're innocent while cherishing attack. Its failure lies in that you still feel guilty, though without understanding why. Effects that are seen as separate from their source and seem to be beyond you to control or prevent. What is thus kept apart can never join. Thank you, Lori. And Yvonne, would you read 59 and 60? Okay, I know we're past the top of the hour, and I know... We're beyond what the what the uh, prescribed syllabus says, but uh, Yvonne, could you read fifty nine and sixty? Okay, I don't know. All right. Well. I'll turn to you then, friend. Is that Yvonne? 59 and 60? Yes, please. Okay. Sin is belief. Attack can be projected outside the mind where the belief arose. Here is the firm conviction that ideas can leave their source made real and meaningful. And from this era, does a world of sin and sacrifice arise? This world is an attempt to prove your innocence while cherishing attack. Its failure lies in that you still feel guilty, though without un- understanding why. Effects are seen as separate from their source and seem to go beyond you to control or to prevent. What is thus kept apart can never join. 60. Cause and effect are one, not separate. God wills you learn what always has been true, that he created you as part of him, and this must still be true because ideas leave not their source. Such is creation's law, that each idea the mind conceives but adds to its abundance never takes away. This is as true of what is idly wished as what is truly willed, because the mind can wish to be deceived but cannot make it be what it is not. And to believe ideas can leave their source is to invite illusions to be true without success. But never will success be possible in trying to deceive the Son of God. Thank you, Fran. And uh, let's see, Jessica, would you read 60? Certainly. Um... 60. Only 60, not 61? 
start with 60. Cause and effect are one, not separate. God rules you learn what always has been true, that he created you as part of him. And this must still be true because ideas leave not their source. Such is creation's law, that each idea the mind conceives but adds to its abundance, never takes away. This is as true of what is idly wished as what is truly willed, because the mind can wish to be deceived, but cannot make it what make it be what it is not. And to believe ideas can leave their source is to invite illusions to be true without success. For never will success be possible in trying to deceive the Son of God. Should I go ahead with 61? Okay. Yeah, if you'd like to uh, read until it says full salvation and escape from guilt. Okay. The miracle is possible when cause and consequence are brought together, not kept separate. The healing and effect without the cause can merely shift effects to other forms. And this is not really. God's son could never be content with less than full salvation and escape from guilt. Thank you, Jessica. I'll just repeat that last little bit there. The miracle is possible when cause and consequence are brought together, not kept separate. The healing of effect without the cause can merely shift effect to other forms, and this is not released. God's Son will never be content with less than full salvation and escape from guilt. Okay, we'll pick this back up tomorrow and review and review parts of the review then. Um, well, we're well past the top of the hour, so I ask you, Fran, would you lead us in the reflection on our lesson? Yeah. Sure. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and we're on the last day of what is the Christ. And the lesson for today is Lesson 280. What limits can I lay upon God's Son? So I shall read from what is the Christ. Christ is God's Son as he created him. He is the self we share, uniting us with one another and with God as well. He is the thought which still abides within the mind that is his source. Christ is the link that keeps you one with God and guarantees that separation is no more than an illusion of despair. For hope forever will abide in him. Your mind is part of his and his of yours. He is the part in which God's answer lies, where all decisions are already made and dreams are over. He remains untouched by anything the body's eyes perceive. 
For though in him his father placed the means for your salvation, yet does he remain the self who, like his father, knows no sin. When forgiveness rests upon the world and peace has come to every son of God, what could remain to keep things separate for what remains to see accepts Christ's face? So therefore, let us seek to find Christ's face and look on nothing else. As we behold his glory, will we know we have no need of learning or perception or of time or anything except the Holy Self? the Christ whom God created as his son. So we'll go to the last one. Lesson 280. What limits can I lay upon God's son? Whom God created limitless is free. I can invent imprisonment for him, but only in illusions, not in truth. No thought of God has left his father's mind. No thought of God is limited at all. No thought of God but is forever pure. Can I lay limits on the son of God whose father willed that he be limitless and like himself in freedom and in love? Today let me give honor to your son. For thus alone I find the way to you. Father, I lay no limits on the son you love and you created limitless. The honor that I give to him is yours. And what is yours belongs to me as well. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 280. What limits can I lay upon God's son? Today, let me give honor to your son, for thus alone I find the way to you. Father, I lay no limits on the son you love, and you created limitless. The honor that I give to him is yours, and what is yours belongs to me as well. Lesson 280, what limits can I lay upon God's son? Amen. Amen. Oh, man. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran.
Good morning. It's Karen. Um, what limits can I place upon the Son of God? What is the will of God? He wills his Son have everything. He created him as everything. And what you have is what you are. That's from the reading in the text today, that we are limitless. And the only other comment I would make is, what is the Christ? The Christ is the Son of God. It's the real Son of God. It's not our ego and sanity, false sense of self, but it's the true self, the part we share with God and with each other. And it says that the Christ is the home of the Holy Spirit. And I, too, really love your pointed friend because we have a friend inside of us. We have a friend inside of us who dwells inside of us, who is our only friend in truth and brings you gifts that are not of this world, but we need to make room for him. He's not an illusion. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Good morning, this is Sandra. And um, this reading has just turned me upside down. <laughs> what limits can I lay upon God's thought? Who's the I here? <laughs> it's not the ego. It's asking this I to love unconditionally. It's telling this I that I came here to bring God to this planet. And God is unconditional. And God unconditionally loved my whatever I thought my sins were, away through forgiveness. Complete, unconditional forgiveness. In this book, it says that God needs me as much as I need God. And God needs me because I'm an extension of God to bring unconditional love to this planet. And what the part of me that has conditions is the ego. The ego wants, and I'm going to say it, recidivism. The ego wants equality. When it's, the ego is, doesn't even exist. 
the equality already exists. I am one with my Father. That's the equality. It talks about um, the appointed friend. And I've said before on this meeting that I have, you know, I, I feel the extension of love from God. It's all around me. I can witness it everywhere, all around me. Except I have a challenge with humans because because what I'm witnessing is my ego and their ego. And I didn't come here to be an ego. I came here to be unconditional love. And my one friend is my Holy Spirit and my relationship with my Creator and my relationship with myself. That's the true friend. That's the only thing I can really count on. Because, and what I'm going to encounter here on this planet is egos. And it seems to me from what I was hearing from this reading that the way to kill an ego is with kindness, <laughs> is to love it so much that it evaporates, that it no longer needs to hold on to that egoic identity because the ego comes from a sense of separation, a sense of lack of love. And if I am the love that I'm looking for, then where's the lack? I'm it. It's my, it's my reason for being. It's, my reason for being is not to procreate. My reason for being is to extend love and forgiveness into this world, to forgive the world. And I'm included in that equation. I have to forgive myself. I'm not here to have friends or even companions necessarily. I'm here to extend love no matter what. And that's actually a, very, a big challenge for me because I, I, I mean, I, I came to this planet. I had no examples of love or what I thought was love. So I had to learn how to do it. And I'm learning through these books that it's unconditional. It doesn't require any it doesn't require anything in return. It just needs to extend itself. That's what it needs to do. And when I think that you know that that I'm giving, giving, giving and there's nothing coming back. That's my separation from my creator because I am connected to something that is limitless, that is eternal, immortal. And that's actually who I am. So, and my only function is to extend this unconditional love, which is personified by forgiveness. I'm complete. That's very beautiful, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. 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 This is Ida. Hi. Good morning. Thank you again, Sandra. Um, I can just imagine, like, in the cartoons I watched when I was a little kid, because nobody knew any better, um, this bad guy saying, mm-hmm, what limits can I place upon God's son? Like, uh, like it's a challenge, you know. But in reality, 
There are no limits that I can place upon God's Son, even if I tried, and no limits as I, as part of God's Son, that anyone could place upon me in reality. Um, and I want to remember that reality today and every, every day um, because we are the Son of God, because um, we have all the power given to us by God that God can possibly give, and we have the Christ in us and the Holy Spirit protecting us, uniting us, um, all of it. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. This is Harrison. Go ahead, Harrison. Um, Thank you, Ida. That really hit uh, home for me. Um, You know, I'm I'm the one that lays limits on God's son. And it's about time that I took responsibility for that. Uh, Every time I project a limitation on uh, myself, on my brothers and sisters, I'm uh, projecting that limitation on God, on the Holy Spirit, and on the Christ in me. Uh, so it's it, it it really is um, all about uh, how I choose to see. Uh, nothing outside of me has any effect whatsoever, and uh, that's that's the ultimate freedom. Thank you, Harrison. Wow, that was great. Yeah, thank, oh, you. thank you. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah, what you shared, Harrison, really kind of ties in what I wanted to share about. I love that Jesus mentions cause and effect being one, and they have to be brought together for healing. Um, I think the recognition that the source of all my pain and and perceptions of the world have a starting point in my mind. And as long as I'm playing with effects, you know, trying to fix them, (laughs) you know, it's like the ego trying to fix the ego. It really doesn't accomplish much. (laughs) But when I recognize that cause and effect are one, that ideas leave not their source, then I can bring whatever is hurting me. And, and I like to think of the ego as a little child, a toddler, just acting out. And it is a call for love. It's, it's a call to bring whatever seems unloving to love's presence. I would pick up the child, hug it, hold it, remind it that of its innocence, <laughs> and um, be on its way. You know, the child, regardless of how it acts up, is always innocent. It's just doing what a toddler does. 
And I think as egos, we're all little toddlers. <laughs> but to bring the toddler to the love of God is to heal it. It's to heal my mind. Um, I must bring that together and see that they are one and nothing outside me is, is but a part of me. So um, I know that's instrumental in my healing to recognize um, that cause and effect are not separate. They're one. And when I bring them both, when I bring them to the cause, which is my mind, healing naturally occurs. So I'm complete. Thank you. That's very nice. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. Have a great day, you guys. You too, Robin Marie. Oh, you too, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie. You too, hon. Give the kids light. Well, when I heard Robin Marie saying goodbye right now because she's got to go off to work, it makes me think that we're kind of a little family here, or a big family. I'm sure you've all thought of that before, but it never really came to the surface of my consciousness until now. It's kind of like uh, when I grew up and, or, well, my dad didn't go, you know, go off to work because his, his general office was downstairs, and that's the way they made it when they bought the house. But, uh, but you know, on TV, the, the, with the shows like Leave it to Beaver and all these things, and, uh, and it, it's, it's precious to me, that idea of a family that, that loves each other, that, that takes care of all the members and all of that, and, and I really appreciate that here. Thank you very much. I love you. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, beautiful. Thank you, Ida. This is Donna, and I understand that, Ida. Thank you. What came to me in this reading was a scripture. It's John fourteen twenty. Uh, maybe I'll read 19 too. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. 20. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. I am complete. Oh, thank you, thank you for that, Donna. Oh, that was perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. Now mm, I know what that thank means. You. Thank you. Thank you. Hi guys, good morning, it's Jude. I have um have this word meaningless. Meaning, meaningful, meaningless. 
meaningfulness on my billboard. You guys know how I have my messages come in in words, not images. But um, you know that that um, our particular point of view from which from which we see the world as we are. We see it to believe it in order to rejoice or we see it to, to judge it. And that's the two laws of, perce- of perceiving the world, two ways of perceiving the world. And in, in that, that understanding that if I'm looking through the body's eyes and seeing everything through that limited perspective, I'm seeing through perception's laws. And perception's laws, it says, are the opposite to truth. And I'm the truth, so this is in opposition to me. (laughs) And what is true of knowledge is not true of anything apart from it. Now, that's a very significant very significant line to me. What is true of knowledge is not true of anything that is apart from it. And perception is apart from it. So through the eyes of perception and through the, the limited mind of a self, self-centered, selfish, afraid, egoic mind, I'm in opposition to not to knowing the truth. So, you know, ergo, I have the means to restore me. What I have made invisible to myself through perception. I have the means, God-given means, to unite my mind with Christ as my consciousness, being the one Son of God. Now, what does that mean? That means I open, open wide my eyes and 360 degree my perception and include and everything and not exclude anything and open my arms to it and welcome it with love. That's as close to knowledge as I can come. And and in practicing that point of view, embracing the world as a part of me, that there is nothing outside side of my mind because my mind is one with God as his beloved son to whom he gave everything. I can see the truth. Now I don't see this with my body's eyes. I see it from my heart and from a very, very open, open mind that lays no concepts, no ideas of what I think upon it. Just open, just looking, just seeing, just embracing, just loving. And, um, you know, having preferences, you know, I love that line, having preferences, you know, I like this and I don't like that. I resist this and or I avoid that. I, I don't want this, but I want that. You know, that, that, that stuff is judgment. And um, but it's it's such a gentle understanding, and, and only the the failure to un- 
for me to understand it makes it seem difficult to me. I don't, I don't feel like it's some major effort, and the text speaks of this. The only strain is in not uniting my will with God's, in not loving something. It's all my sense of inadequacy comes from not being loving. Not being loving, not loving is what is the strain, is what makes me feel inadequate, inadequate because that was simply the way I was created to be. If I'm not loving, I feel something's wrong with me. It's well, it is. <laughs> Choose not being who God created her to be. So the error is simple, and it's easily corrected. I'm doing this to myself. Nobody's doing it to me. This idea of projection is is so obvious it can't be ignored. I'm laying guilt and blame and shame for something I feel, for a way I'm being. I'm not being loving. I'm being hateful. And I'm blaming something because I'm doing that. I'm making, trying to make someone else guilty. So seeing sins out, is outside of me and it's not a part of me is, is so not loving. It's just not loving that we could not see it as a call to love, see it as only a, a call for love because I need that healing every bit as much as everybody else. God help me. I'm so glad for you all, and thank you, Lemoyne and Fran and Lori, for all you all you bring to us every day. Amen. Thank you. Good stuff, Judy. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Hey, and I'm happy to hear you. You're here, Lana. <laughs> Good to hear your voice. Oh, thank you. Good to be here. This is Sandra again. It seems to me that at some point, I will no longer ever be a call for love. Because what's calling for love? It's not love. <laughs> the ego. I'm complete. Thank you. Good point. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Well, this is Micah, real. I want to leave time for Laura. So, um, I, I had got my first this this morning on paragraph forty-seven. I mean, and the section above was beautiful, and it was uh, so rich. And um, but down here in in uh, forty-seven, all sickness comes from separation. That was the first shift where 
I, I really noticed my body identification, you know, into a, a, a sense of a separated self. And it pointed, turn, started to turn the lens into a magnitude in the direction of, of uh, like unity, something large. I, I could, I had concepts from the past, but I could feel and experiences from the past of moving into a, a realm of mind of unity, and it it seemed uh, so distant. And uh, and here's all this awareness just kind of locked into a sense of body identification and a, a sense of a small self that had been created over decades. And uh, and then uh, this encouragement to move into uh, um, our magnitude started to pick up again in '57, where what is the will of God? He wills his son have everything. And this he guaranteed when he created him as everything. And that sense of magnitude carried over to the lesson. There, um, today we, we give honor to your son. For thus alone I find the way to you. Father, I lay no limits on the son you love and you created limitless. And, and it's that, that, that beautiful calling to turn the lens of awareness to, to, to my magnitude. Uh, and in the contrast of being here in space and time, and it created kind of an odd few moments where you know, it's like you realize you're, um, I realized I was drowning in an illusion of a separate self and something's trying to get, work its way out, you know, you know, like being underwater, you know, trying to reach the surface. And that's kind of a, the awkward stage of, of it all. But then there comes, there comes this kind of peaceful resolution. But before I move to that, I just want to highlight this quote that I found really paralleled our reading today. Uh, it's in the manual for teachers, number 23. He has overcome death because he has accepted life. He has recognized himself as God created him. And in so doing, he has recognized all living things as part of him. There is now no limit to his power because it is the power of God. So has his name become the name of God. And so his name become the name of God, for he no longer sees himself as separate from him. And, but this, this movement into, um, I'm so glad, Lemoyne, you, re you repeated that line in 61, the miracle is possible when cause and consequence are brought together. And Lana, you, you highlighted it too, cause and effect being one. And he, he does talk, speak of that in paragraph 49. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, what is projected out and seems to be external to the mind is not outside at all, but an effect of what is in and has not left its source. 
And so this, that was the, the awkward stage of trying to be, un, you know, get out from being drowning in the water of, of the illusion of a separate self in a body identification. Uh, it, it started to ease as something started to feel cause and effect are one. That time, space, and form is the effect of this mind that's dreaming the world. And it's a mind we share with God and each other. It's a co-creation dream. Um, let me see if I can find it. You, Jesus says you're a co-creator of the universe, you know. And but it, 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 and then it, everything got so soft as cause and effect were one. Okay, here's time, space, and a sense of a self. And then, the, and then beyond is, is this truth of what we are in reality, one with all creation, one with God's mind. So I, anyway, I'll end with just a little quote from A Course of Love here. The self, the small self of form as form can never truly experience the all of everything that is the natural state of the formless. But the truth capital self cannot cease to experience its natural state the state of Christ consciousness sharing in unity the all of everything so these two states the state of form and the state of unity are both in existence right now in the state of unity your true self is fully aware of the elevated self of form and is fully participating in its experiences and feelings. The elevated self of form, however, being a form that still exists in time, must realize the consciousness of the true self in time. What this means is that the elevated self of form may still need time to come to know the changes that only occur in time. Already, although they are already accomplished in unity. Um, anyway, I guess that's it. Thanks. That was beautiful, Micah. Oh, thank you, Micah. That was uh, lovely. Thank you, Micah. You're welcome. Donna again, and uh, from John 16 through 22, um, Jesus said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy word, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. 
and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I am complete. Nice. Oh, that's really great. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Oh, Donna, you're inspiring me to read the Bible again. <laughs> I think it, I think I'll see it with really new eyes now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm always struck by that quote because it reminds me of how he ends the Course in Miracles in Chapter 31. Um, in many ways, that quote is just like the prayer. He offers to God and thanks for the self we share. Thanking us, he ends this work. Um, so thank you everyone who read today. Thank you for all the understanding that you bring. Not one of us, um, not one of us gets home before all of us get home. And I'm uh, so glad that that's the truth today. And I'm thankful too, Micah, for the quote that you brought from Course of Miracle or Course of Love. Because it pointed me to um, one of my favorite quotes in Course of Love. And I'll preface the quote with, um, um, what I call the time before. And it was so beautifully and uh, simply uh, depicted in the Disney movie called Soul. And in that movie, it begins with what he calls the time before. And we are all um, returning from this seeming episode in time where days and months and years follow each other. And, um, and we seem to have that sort of limited um, awareness on the mind. But we're all returning to the time before. And so in light of that, in light of Course of Love, this is so splendid from chapter 18 in there. It says, in unity, this is time before, in unity, all that you desired was participated in fully by a mind and heart combined in wholeheartedness. You knew your capital self to be the creator and loved all that you created. You did not desire and fear something at the same time, and your desires did not change from moment to moment. And I, I bring that up um, because these review of principles, uh, he lays out the exact nature of the errors in my mind that seem to result in the loss of the memory of God and the memory of my own truth and the memory of the splendidness of creation. It was all, uh, the whole episode that the soul seems to be involved with here, just a matter of mind errors, uh, not sin, not anything um, that isn't able to be healed with correction of the mind, um, 
just a descent down a ladder in exactly the same way he talks about it in the so-called laws of chaos. With that one error, the belief that truth is different for everyone, um, based on a hierarchy of values, and then projected onto creation, with that one error, truth can be altered or changed as it exists in unity in the heart and mind of wholeheartedness that we participated with in this grand adventure of the soul. We seem to have lost ourselves and our identity. And so that descent down the ladder, he's, he's correcting um, with these principles. There's actually eight of them. Uh, when I stop and, and look at what he's saying here, and, and every one of these uh, so-called steps down the ladder are the same steps that I can take to allow the error in my mind to be healed. You know, um, starting with uh, the whole idea of sin and sickness, you know, cause and effect uh, are hidden from my awareness. I, I hid from my own awareness. I denied the truth. I seemingly denied the truth. And the consequence of that was the belief in sin and, and sickness. And all of it, all of it proceeded from that one error of the belief that truth could be separated from the mind of God, that we could lose all the unity of heart and mind, all the wholeheartedness, that we could lose the capital S self. He says in chapter 30, he says, not one thing but was created without your glad consent. Everything created. We were, as capital S self, we were there at the very beginning when we arose as ideas and thoughts in the mind of God. In wholeheartedness, we sang the song of praise and glory to the creator of life, in gratitude for the life he gave us. In unity, we experienced that as just pure love of creation and the creator and the joy of living in love. Nothing interfered with it at all. But came this idea that we could separate and fragment and burst apart this hologram of love and make ourselves facets. Um, we didn't change anything because everything in creation is still an aspect of creation. And when my errors of mind are healed, when I allow errors of mind to be healed, I'm returned to the truth of that. In exactly the same progression as he lays out in these principles. And so probably um, the one I want to highlight most today, the one that always, always, always serves to return me to truth, is the fourth principle in paragraph 53. Forgiveness is my only function here. Forgiveness is my only function here. And forgiveness not only brings joy to me, but it brings joy to every aspect of God's Son, and God himself thanks me.
for allowing truth to be true, for allowing my mind to be corrected so that I can recognize love and release all of these mistaken ideas that I had that seemed to comprise my self-identity. That's the resolution of separation. Um, capital S Self is this beautiful entity where all the gaps are healed. The memory of God and the face of Christ is returned to me. And nothing in creation but what calls forth a wholehearted response of love. That's not Lori's. That's not any individual's. That's the nature of the truth of our identity. Lori can't love. Lori doesn't know how to love. The best Lori can do with love is, is specialness. But in this work, he says, you always choose between your weakness and the strength of Christ in you. And so when I accept forgiveness as my only function here, I'm saying I'm willing to release my weakness and call upon Holy Spirit, my appointed friend, the manifestation of Holy Spirit being Christ consciousness. And when I'm willing to call upon the name of God, which is my own, all things are resolved and I'm restored to that unity of the time before. That allows all of this this world and this experience that was born of error in my mind to disappear because its effects were all of error. All of the effects were of an error in the mind. He says the ego, this is a really good one in Course of Love, he says, the ego is nothing more than your idea of yourself. It's a complex set of judgments of good and bad, of right and wrongs, of worthy and unworthy, and an unending list that's just as worthless as all of those ideas. They're not true, not one of them. Separation never happened except in an imaginary dream that I dreamed I dreamt alone. My appointed friend solves that for me. I have to look and wait and judge not a lot, a lot, because I'm so prone to perceptual errors and seeing something that isn't really there. And so I do, I still do have to stop and wait and judge not. And when I stop and wait and judge not, truth will return to me. It always does because truth was always true and always will be true. God's Son is one. God's Son is one. And God's Son shines in the reflection of the love of the Father that will always and forever be true. Forgiveness is my only function here. And that's the same as saying, what limits can I place on God's Son? Amen. I'm complete. <laughs>
Oh, thanks so much, Lori. Yeah, thank, thank you. God, yeah. I love that part about creation. Go ahead, Mike. Gorgeous. Oh, I said I loved that part about creation that you shared, Lori. That was sweet. Oh, thank you. That's in the course part of the course of love, chapter 18. Um, paragraph 14, if you want to see it in its context. This is Sandra again, really quick. What I'm understanding for myself is that I <clears throat> cannot fully forgive until I've fully integrated that I am forgiven. So any parts of myself that I haven't completely forgiven are blocking me from forgiving others as well, completely. There's degrees, but I think what you're talking about, Lori, is complete forgiveness of the world. I'm complete. Yeah. Thanks, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Mm, yes, thanks, Sandra. Forgiveness always rests on the one who forgives. So. They realize that she has no need of forgiveness. That's somewhere after the judging stops. <laughs> anyway. Okay, well we're we're going over time again and uh I I want to just add uh I'll just add one paragraph. Like, I, <laughs> I spent a lot of time yesterday wanting to shout, <laughs> shouting for silence and, like, fighting for peace. But here, <laughs> here I'll, I'll just read, this is from the introduction to the, uh, to the second part of the workbook, right? And, uh. So where it says final part or final section, this that's referring to the where we're at. And we're we're a good ways into the second part of the workbook. So now I talk myself into a few paragraphs. So I'll just read these as a closing. And uh, for context, uh, the first section of the epilogue. This course is the beginning, not an end. And so, from that introduction, eight. And so we start upon the final part of this one holy year we have spent together in the search for truth and God, who is its one creator. We have found the way he chose for us and made the choice to follow it as he would have us go. His hand has held us up. His thoughts have lit the darkness of our minds. His love has called to us unceasingly since time began. 
We had a wish that God would fail to have the son whom he created for himself. We wanted God to change himself and be what we would make of him. And we believed that our insane desires were the truth. Now we are glad that this is all undone and we no longer think illusions true. Let me expand that a little bit. We no longer, no longer believe we need to think illusions born of fear and separation are true. <laughs> no longer think that. Too much work. Back to the text. The memory of God is shimmering across the wide horizons of our minds. A moment more, and it will rise again. A moment more, and we who are God's sons are safely home, where he would have us be. Now is the need for practice almost done. For in this final section, we will come to understand that we need we need only call to God and all temptations disappear. Instead of words, we need but feel his love. Instead of prayer, we need but call his name. Instead of judging, we need but be still and let all things be healed. We will accept the way God's plan will end as we receive the way it started. Now it is complete. This year has brought us to eternity. Amen. And thank you all. Amen. That oh, us. that was perfect. Perfect, Lemoyne. Thank you. Oh, it sure was, Lemoyne. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Absolutely perfect for me today. Thank you.